This is Anderson Cooper. I want to introduce you to the first episode of the John Sheffer Show Archive Podcast. John has been doing a ministry of helping the homeless in Chicago and South Bend for 10 years. He started an organization called Mission of Five for the Homeless, which he just stepped down from two years ago. Today, John Sheffer, now living in Chicago, still actively serves homeless individuals and advocates for them. In mid-2020, John began to tell his homeless ministry and advocacy stories through a radio show on semi-community radio. Today, he still keeps up the stories going through News Source 1 Michina, and the station are happy to share the archives. Let's listen. Hello, my name is John Schaefer. I am happy to be part of this broadcast today, and I just want to introduce myself. I have lived in Michigan almost all of my life. In 2012, I became an advocate for the homeless. I started my own nonprofit called Michiana Five for the Homeless. Here it is eight years later and we have helped thousands of homeless, not only in Michiana, but also in downtown Chicago. After helping the homeless with handouts, we became very active in helping the homeless with a hand up. We were able to give many homeless housing opportunities and put them into housing. We continue to be a voice for the homeless, to advocate for the homeless, to bless the homeless and give them their daily needs met through Michiana Five for the Homeless. But now I myself am retired I have moved to Chicago, and I continue to help the homeless that struggle here in Chicago. Michiana Five for the Homeless is still going, and I left that in good hands. Michiana Five for the Homeless continues to do great things, but it needs your support. Check them out. You can find Michiana Five for the Homeless on Facebook. I myself am disabled and I am 63 years old, but I continue to help the homeless the best I can here in Chicago. There's over 88,000 homeless in the city of Chicago. South Bend has approximately 500, approximately 200, 250 in Elkhart, and possibly 100 in Goshen. So the difference is striking. But obviously in Chicago, it's a much larger city and the problem has been going on for quite some time and is much larger. So this is a little bit about myself. I hope you will tune in to the broadcast that I give each week. And thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Hi, this is John Schaefer, 
and I want to thank you for listening. Um, Today I want to talk about homelessness and the pandemic. With the COVID-19 virus situation that has affected all of us, it is especially difficult for our homeless population. Many of them were often unable to get masks to wear. I know myself, it was very difficult during the spread of the virus to obtain a mask from any department store, grocery store, um, pharmacy, and yet the mayor was insisting that everybody wear a mask if you go out in public and you're coming into contact with someone and you must maintain six feet distance. But to go shopping or to do anything, you had to wear a mask. Well, it was almost impossible for me to get a mask. How much more impossible was it for someone who's homeless to obtain a mask? So... Many of them going to shelters um, aren't often able to maintain six feet distance. Uh, Some of them would probably not take it as seriously until they are educated about the harmful effects of catching this virus. And I know the shelters are already full, so many of them would have lots of homeless people that would be possibly spreading the virus, coming into close proximity with each other out on the streets when homeless tend to gather um, in different groups None of them would necessarily be maintaining six feet distance or educated, especially in the beginning, to do so. The homeless are always the last on the list to be thought of, to be considered, to be helped, and to be educated in such a time as this. Thankfully, a lot of the Nonprofits like Michiganify for the Homeless obtained masks and were distributing them. Other agencies were also doing the same. And in time, the homeless received masks. I saw that here uh, in Chicago, even. I know it's. Uh, happening all over the world now. Um, The masks are being supplied and more readily available. But in the beginning, it was very difficult um, to obtain a mask. And for the homeless, um, how they've been affected, there's soup kitchens that some of them had to close. Some of them had to begin serving meals outside in the open air, setting up tables, 
and maybe in some cases chairs even, but uh, mostly tables it's where they could serve food to the homeless and they would then have to take it with them. Before they could go to the soup kitchen, they could stand in a line, they could go in and be served, and they could sit at a table, rest a little bit, and then eat their meal and leave. Most of the homeless during this pandemic, basically, if there was food available for them and meals being supplied by some of the soup kitchens, and this affected many where they were closed for a while. And so getting food was more difficult. Having that meal once or twice a day uh, was very difficult in the beginning and still is it's it's still not great um so we've got to do better by our homeless um they struggle enough every day as it is but when this situation with the virus began the homeless i know were the last to be considered and Many of them who would get sick could easily spread it to another homeless person that they come in contact with. I had believed that the last frontier of ridding our country of this virus would lie with the homeless. Once we could get that situation under control with the homeless, then we could more effectively stop the spread of this virus. But as long as there are more than, you know, a hundred homeless in a city, those hundred even, and many cities have hundreds if not thousands of homeless, until they have the necessary equipment and masks and sanitizing uh, stations to wash their hands and they are educated, the virus could easily continue uh, from person to person. So we've got to do better as a community, we've got to always be considering the homeless because one person could spread the virus to dozens. And you take several hundreds or several thousands of homeless that could potentially spread the virus, you could resurface the epidemic all over again because you're not taking care and helping a significant population in the community to be aware, to be a conscious, and to have the knowledge and the masks and the education on how to rid the community of this virus. 
and to see the stats go down and to see the deaths go down. See less people being given treatment at hospitals. So that's pretty much what I wanted to bring today. I want to thank you for listening. Stay tuned next week for a different topic and have a great day. The following message is brought to you by Goodwill and the Ad Council. The inherent right to work is one of the elemental privileges of a free people. Endowed as our nation is with abundant physical resources and inspired as it should be with the high purpose to make those resources and opportunities available for the enjoyment of all, we approach this problem of re-employment with the real hope of finding a better answer than we have now. Your stuff can be more powerful than you think. Your stuff can be a resource for change. Donate to Goodwill, where your donations help fund job placement and training for people in your community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. We're all busy this time of year. There's back to school, football season, and this little thing around here called harvest. You don't have time to be sick or in the hospital. Did you know that the COVID Delta variant is more contagious than the common cold and that doctors are seeing more young and healthy unvaccinated people in the hospital? Get informed about vaccines and make the decision that's right for you and the ones you love. Find out more at GetVaccineAnswers.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, my name is John Schaefer, and the topic I wanted to bring to you um, concerns the homeless at a tent city in the city of South Bend. Um, This tent city has been on a church property for almost a month, but sadly, each of the residents of this tent city had to sign a formal document stating rules that they would abide by. Now, the problem is the homeless who are chronic homeless are not used to living by any rules. This long list of rules was, I feel, completely ridiculous. Uh, They were not practical. Uh, They were impossible to be able to keep for someone who's been homeless, living on the streets without a set of rules. Um, So one of the rules was no drinking. Now, obviously, if you're homeless, you may have uh, addictions. It's a very good possibility. And one of those addictions may be drinking. Um, One of them may be drugs or both. Um, But it stated in these rules there would be no drinking. It also stated there would be no drugs on the church property. Now, for someone who has an addiction, they cannot just suddenly stop. 
because they signed a formal paper putting their name to it that they would not do these things. Now, obviously, they might have signed it in haste because they had no other choice. Um, so the first opportunity, they're going to drink and they're going to use drugs and they would be in violation of this written agreement that was made between the pastor of the church and the residents of this tent city. They would then be uh, told to uh, get off the church property within 24 hours, and they would be evicted, again, having no place to go. There's uh, no violence. There's no stealing mentioned in these rules. Um, there's just a lot of no's. Now, if you're going to serve the homeless, you have to take into account who you're dealing with. Uh, where are they coming from? What is their nature? What are their habits? And you have to find a way to serve them and work with them to be conforming to a set of rules or a program that you want them to follow. You cannot just expect it immediately and overnight for them to change. Yes, I believe that there should be some rules put in place. And yes, it is a church property, so it should be respected. But you cannot expect growth and maturity and obedience by signing a piece of paper and asking them to abide by these rules and expect it overnight. I do not think that is loving. I do not think that is appropriate. I find it to be very harsh. And setting them up to actually fail so you have an opportunity to evict them and kick them off the property uh, because they're not perfect. You want to be loving and inviting. You give them a place to stay and you work with them to do better. You work with them to be able to conform to how you want their behavior to be, and you slowly introduce a rule with maybe one rule at a time, like pick up your trash. Give them the tools to work with, give them a dumpster and trash bags, and once they complete that, and once they have abided by that rule, you then give them a reward. You then encourage them to keep going and to keep doing what's right. And then you add a second rule. And you 
have to make the rules fit the person or the group. And if you have homeless who are all addicts or all alcoholics, you cannot just say, stop drinking, stop doing drugs. Unless you can give them proper professional rehab for their addictions, you can't expect them to suddenly change. It's not possible. It's not realistic. So this pastor is basically setting them up to fail, I believe, and knows that. So that brings into question, does he really want to help them and And does he really want them there on the church property? I've known this pastor for many years, and it is my personal opinion that he did it to get news stories concerning his effort to house the homeless on his property. And his motives were not Here, I believe his motives were selfish. And as a friend of mine um, had stated in a video that's on my page, um, his name is Thomas Redman. He is a wonderful guy, and he is also in the state of Florida. He is known as a homeless solutions expert, and... He said, if you're going to uh, establish rules for the homeless, um, you've got to be first educated in trauma-informed care. See, many of these homeless have a survival mode. They are definitely under a lot of stress and trauma being homeless. Uh where their thinking is, is totally on a different level, their mentality. Many of them have trust issues. So you have to work at building trust with each of them, having empathy. And if you do those things, you'll see results which will lead to success. And that success will enable those individual homeless to be able to follow the rules you would like to set in place. But none of this is going to happen overnight. So I disagree strongly with establishing a long list of rules and the rules being strict. Um, If you're going to establish a tent city Um, Do it in love. Do it in kindness. Expect nothing in return. And, And then give them enough time to be the examples and have the behavior that you would like to see as a result of your kindness and, and giving them a place to stay, um, by working with them and not just penalizing them 
I, I see these rules as basically um, punishment. If you don't do this and you don't do that, um, we're going to kick you off the property. So no, no, no. You can't have any drinking. No to drinking. Can't have any drugs. No to drugs. There's no violence. There's no stealing. There's no theft. No, no, no. How is that love? How is that kindness? Um, so I do not believe um, the sincerity of this church or the pastor. Um, I, I just cannot accept the manner to which he has put forth these rules to the homeless and, and how he is allowing them to stay on his property with such strict enforcement of these rules and then making them sign a formal document. I mean, the homeless are not great at being responsible. Uh, they've not lived by a set of rules on the streets. So to make them suddenly responsible and to make them suddenly adhere to a list of rules is totally not going to happen. It's, it's totally far-fetched. It's not realistic. And I believe you're setting them up to fail. Anyhow, I, I'm not going to go into who this pastor is or the church Many of the people in South Bend um, know who this pastor is and which church in South Bend is housing this tent city. Um, I would hope he would change the manner in which uh, he offers this kindness. And it is kind to let the homeless stay on his property. Uh, I give him credit for that. Um, but he certainly lacks the education on how to best serve the homeless that he claims to be helping. I hope you will tune in next time for a different topic. This is John Schaefer. I am a homeless advocate and former director of Michiganify for the Homeless in South Bend, and thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? This wedding is lit. I thought you were coming. Oh, I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? You didn't get a flu shot? Uh, <coughs> I wish I did. I can't believe I'm missing out on Greg's wedding. Grandma's about the crowd, sir. Grandma's about the what? <coughs> what? Man, I'll call you back. <coughs> oh, man. <coughs> Sounds like another case of flu FOMO. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. It keeps you protected and also protects your loved ones. Protecting our community can't wait. So why get stuck inside with a flu? Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. 
Hi, this is John Schaefer, and I want to thank you for listening. Um, Today I want to talk about homelessness and the pandemic. With the COVID-19 virus situation that has affected all of us, it is especially difficult for our homeless population. Many of them were often unable to get masks to wear. I know myself, it was very difficult during the spread of the virus to obtain a mask from any department store, grocery store, um, pharmacy, and yet the mayor was insisting that everybody wear a mask If you go out in public and you're coming into contact with someone and you must maintain six feet distance, but to go shopping or to do anything, you had to wear a mask. Well, it was almost impossible for me to get a mask. How much more impossible was it for someone who's homeless to obtain a mask? So... Many of them going to shelters um, aren't often able to maintain six feet distance. Uh, Some of them would probably not take it as seriously until they are educated about the harmful effects of catching this virus. And I know the shelters are already full, so many of them would have lots of homeless people that would be possibly spreading the virus, coming into close proximity with each other out on the streets when homeless tend to gather um, in different groups None of them would necessarily be maintaining six feet distance or educated, especially in the beginning, to do so. The homeless are always the last on the list to be thought of, to be considered, to be helped, and to be educated in such a time as this. Thankfully, a lot of the Nonprofits like Michiana Five for the Homeless obtained masks and were distributing them. Other agencies were also doing the same. And in time, the homeless received masks. I saw that here uh, in Chicago, even. I know it's. Uh, happening all over the world now. Um, The masks are being supplied and more readily available. But in the beginning, it was very difficult um, to obtain a mask. And for the homeless, um, how they've been affected, there's soup kitchens that some of them had to close. Some of them had to begin serving meals outside in the open air. 
setting up tables and maybe in some cases chairs even, but uh, mostly tables. It's where they could serve food to the homeless and they would then have to take it with them. Before they could go to the soup kitchen, they could stand on a line, they could go in and be served and they could sit at a table, rest a little bit, and then eat their meal and leave. Most of the homeless during this pandemic, basically, if there was food available for them and meals being supplied by some of the soup kitchens, and this affected many where they were closed for a while. And so getting food was more difficult. Having that meal once or twice a day uh, was very difficult in the beginning and still is. It's, it's still not great. Um, so we've got to do better by our homeless. Um, they struggle enough every day as it is, but when this situation with the virus began, the homeless I know were the last to be considered. And many of them who, who would get sick could easily spread it to another homeless person that they come in contact with. I had believed that the last frontier of ridding our country of this virus would lie with the homeless. Once we could get that situation under control with the homeless, then we could more effectively stop the spread of this virus. But as long as there are more than, you know, a hundred homeless in a city, those hundred even, and many cities have hundreds if not thousands of homeless, until they have the necessary equipment and masks and sanitizing uh, stations to wash their hands and they are educated, the virus could easily continue uh, from person to person. So we've got to do better as a community. We've got to always be considering the homeless because one person could spread the virus to dozens and you take several hundreds or several thousands of homeless that could potentially spread the virus, you could resurface the epidemic all over again because you're not taking care and helping a significant population in the community to be aware, to be a conscious, and to have the knowledge and the masks and the education on how to rid the community of this virus.
and to see the stats go down and to see the deaths go down. See less people being given treatment at hospitals. So that's pretty much what I wanted to bring today. I want to thank you for listening. Stay tuned next week for a different topic and have a great day. Have you enjoyed listening to The John Schaefer Show? Now dot you can watch him on our Facebook group, The John Schaefer Show, hosted on the weekend on News Source 1 Michiana Facebook group. Hi, this is John Schaefer, and today I wanted to talk about doing something for someone who is homeless. Now, we see them all the time, and we see them on street corners, we see them walking down sidewalks, but a small act of kindness could mean so much. Um, You don't know them, and you don't know what the encounter might bring, but you're always in control. And if you want to do a random act of kindness, just if you see them that they're going to be somewhere for a short time, you can always run to the nearest McDonald's and buy them a meal, a sandwich, and a drink. Maybe throw in an apple pie or dessert and take it back to them and just hand it to them. This would mean so much to someone who is homeless. And if they have any money, it will save the money that they do have for other needed things. Um, Quite often, they need money to buy a belt, to buy shoes, socks. Homeless go through tons of socks. They might need it later for dinner or for a meal the next day. It might save them from having to panhandle And it can be very degrading to stand there and panhandle for several hours begging for money. When you think about it, they are begging for money just to eat and just to survive. We don't have to do that. And... It's very difficult for them to, and to be in their shoes. So take the opportunity, if it's presented to you, and do some random act of kindness for a homeless person. You will feel good about it. They will appreciate it. And someday, when they are perhaps in a better position, they will be able to pay it forward, all because 
of the act of kindness that you showed to them. That's what it's all about. If we can all do that, we can make things so much easier for everyone and just show some compassion and some love. Homeless people count. Homeless people matter. Everyone matters. We have to keep this in mind. And if you ever, for one moment, put yourself in their shoes to think, what do they have to go through during the course of their day? How they must find a place to sleep at night being exposed to all types of weather, having starvation pains, wearing dirty clothes that you maybe have worn for an entire week, not being able to get to a laundry machine or laundry mat or a shelter all the time to wash your clothes and have clean clothes. A lot of the people in the community shun them. They look down on them. They avoid them. And they treat them with negative comments and looks and actions. So by doing this small act of kindness, whatever it is, Maybe you can just walk up to them and talk to them. Maybe you could take them a small gift. It doesn't have to be a meal. But a meal might be convenient. It might be time-consuming, less time-consuming. And um, it's just going to mean so much to them. And it just someone may see you do that and it may encourage them and inspire them as well. Thank you. And I hope to have you listen next week. This is John Schaefer for SME and for the homeless. Hi. This is John Schaefer, and this week I want to talk about the early history of starting my own nonprofit called Michiana Five for the Homeless. Back on a very cold night in October of 2012, I was in Chicago shopping with a good friend and We saw after about 10 o'clock at night, a lot of the homeless that had been on the streets earlier and panhandling, now many of them were laying on the cold sidewalk and many of them did not have a blanket. They had just their coat and 
in many cases, not much else. And I thought, well, they have to be really cold. And the concrete is cold on that sidewalk. Um, and it's a shame that they're here. And why are they not at a shelter? Um, I come to find out later that the shelters were all full. And there's so many homeless in Chicago that there's just not enough shelter beds available. So it bothered me as I kind of stood back for a minute and saw the numbers of people who were walking past the homeless just lying there against a building on the cold sidewalk. And looking up in downtown Chicago, there was many buildings where there's apartments and condos and as high as 90 floors and higher. And I thought, I've, I've heard that some of these condos and apartments um, start at 5 million and go up to over 30 million. And I just couldn't fathom that a homeless person is sleeping on the sidewalk below them while they live in luxury in downtown Chicago, 90 floors above them, and here lies someone homeless who doesn't even have a blanket. So I went home and thought about it. And I was inspired to start a Facebook group and begin to solicit blankets and other items, coats and things, gloves for the homeless. Because I knew winter was coming. And it would be here quickly. And I was going to return in two weeks and hope to take some blankets with me. Well, things were a little slow at first, so I went and bought 25 brand new blankets. And we took those and delivered them to 25 different individuals in downtown Chicago two weeks later. The homeless who received them were so happy and very thankful. Uh, in Chicago, uh, there's so many, and many of them are, are just grateful for anything. The very last homeless person to receive a blanket was actually a disabled man in a wheelchair. And he was actually sitting up in his wheelchair at a street corner. And we were driving past him and pulled over across the street. And I took the blanket, the last one, and I ran across the street, which actually happened to be State Street in downtown Chicago, and came up to the man and gave him the blanket. He was very thankful.
And I told him, I, I said, I hope this will keep you warm. And as I turned away to go, to go back to the car, and I was crossing the street, I hear loudly this man saying, Sir, thank you. God bless you. You're one in a million. And then he repeated it, but he said it louder. And then he repeated it again and said it even louder. I thought the whole city of downtown Chicago at night was going to hear him. But that's how grateful he was. And I will never forget that. From that point on, and because as we drove around, there was many more homeless who we just did not have blankets for. Uh, and we ran out. That I made a commitment that somehow we were going to keep this going and we were going to do this again and again. And I began to solicit more people to my Facebook page I had created. I gave it a name and people started responding. And soon I had people bringing me to my apartment tons of clothing and blankets and coats and gloves and even food items and I had no space for this so I had to go and rent some storage space and I was living in Napanee and so we did that and in a short amount of time that storage space was packed so I had to move into a larger storage unit um, soon that was packed and so we added a second one and then we added a third one and I'm out there and it is winter time and it's cold and I'm in a metal storage and I'm sorting and freezing and uh, separating clothing and blankets and folding them and putting them in boxes and it was horrible it was like being in a freezer. But I could imagine what it was like for the homeless themselves uh, if they were not to receive these items that were donated and how much colder it would be in the winter for them. And soon after that, um, the, the vision grew and we became incorporated and registered with the state of Indiana as a nonprofit. And things just continued to grow and snowball and people were responding. And that was the very beginning and the humble beginnings of Michiana Five for the Homeless. Now at that time, uh, for the first couple of months, we were largely focused on Chicago and particularly the downtown area. Um, as time went on, uh, I began to have my eyes open to all the homeless in Michiana, South Bend, Elkhart, Goshen, Mishawaka, and of course couldn't go to Chicago daily. So uh, during the first two years, 
I made it a commitment to go to Chicago in the winter twice a month, which was a huge commitment and expense. And then the rest of the months during the year, it was daily focused on the homeless in Michiana and collecting and distributing things to the homeless that we have right here. And we started to get recognized. There was a lot of news focus on our efforts and things just continued to grow. Here it is now, 2020, Michiana 5 is still going. Uh, the pandemic has greatly affected our donations and funding, but I am really thankful for what started from a humble 25 blankets being distributed to having helped thousands and thousands of homeless now eight years later. So one small act of kindness and one decision and one commitment can mean so much. I have on my Facebook page a saying that one small act of kindness can have ripple effects that are endless. And it's true. You never know what you can do. Hello, this is John Schaefer. I hope you're having a great day. Today I wanted to talk about homelessness and trust issues that they have. Now, some of the homeless have severe, deep trust issues. They have been dealt the card of homelessness. Sometimes it's their own neglect or fault. Sometimes they are taken advantage of by someone who may have caused them to become homeless. And therefore, the lack of trust towards other people that they would trust. And so there's trust issues of many different types for someone who's homeless. You may have had family let you down, so you don't trust them. You may have had a close friend let you down, so you don't trust them. And this leads to not trusting others. You may have had some other homeless people that you thought you could confide in and trust and maybe guard your possessions and you find out that they stole everything from you. Uh, so it's hard to trust someone uh, who is homeless. Now, some are lucky. They find some other homeless that they can trust. They sort of develop a little sense of community and they watch each other's back. They protect each other's things. And generally, they live in a small encampment. Um, and they just watch out for each other. They know they have to, and they have to do the same. Or when they leave their tent or their 
possessions behind, that individual is not going to look out for their things. So there's a need that develops. And yet, if push came to shove and one of those homeless had the idea and the opportunity and the need, in a minute, they would steal from someone who is homeless and have, and they do. And then trust issues develop, perhaps a fight. Perhaps they wind up packing and leaving and going somewhere else to another encampment. And um, these things happen. Um, It's basically survival and it's survival on the streets. And you do what you have to do to get by. Trust immediately goes out the window when it comes to surviving. Now, sometimes in order to survive, you do have to trust someone. And so it's, it's very much complicated. It's very much an iffy situation at best. And it leads homeless people to become cold and bitter, indifferent, um, and developing severe trust issues. Now, yes, there are some who are very fortunate, and they'll develop some friendships, and these people will take care of each other. They will watch out for each other, They've got their backs, and they protect their belongings, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, While they're on the streets, though, if things are too ideal, we get into another area where it becomes a situation where they are being enabled to remain in their homelessness. And when there was an encampment in South Bend and we had taken them many different conveniences because the city was attacking them and mistreating them and stealing their things and ripping them away with tractors and um, police showing up and full force and um, against a few homeless people, which was ridiculous that a full police force would have to turn out against a few homeless people. So we're not talking just couple of cops, we're talking dozens and dozens of officers and police cars and, and city code enforcement. It was just ridiculous. All they wanted to do 
was have a show of force that they meant business and to not even think about crossing us, do not even think about resisting or causing a difficult time, because we've got a larger number than you do, and we mean business. And when we say you have to leave, you have to leave. And this was the treatment many of the homeless received in South Bend, but it's not unique. It happens in many, many cities all across America. And what happens to the mindset of the homeless is now they can't even trust the city. They can't trust the police. They can't trust code enforcement. And they begin to distrust others who might even want to help them. So it's very complex. It's a shame that these things exist and the way they are the way they are. And it just makes being homeless and living on the streets more difficult and more depressing than it actually is. And, and everything builds on another and everything adds up and it all leads to bitterment and mistrust and anger. So sometimes when we show up and we want to give something to the homeless, they have mistrust immediately on, our, on their part towards us. And on our part, we're just wanting to help. And they're not used to that. Um, they have to try to see where the situation goes and are we truly there to help. And some come with strings attached to their help. It's like, I'll help you, but I want you to say the sinner's prayer. I'll help you, but you need to say this prayer and take this Bible. And you need to take this gospel literature and these gospel tracts. And you need to mean business with God or you're going to stay homeless. And that kind of attitude is not helping the homeless. And that comes with strings attached. And that is not an example of love. And so many homeless begin to even resent and mistrust those who would want to do good towards them. And some do it simply, I call, um, to get points, to go back to church and, and brag and, you know, say, we got this many sinners' prayers prayed today, but is there any ever follow-up after that? In most cases, no. They got what they wanted, 
someone said a sinner's prayer and they leave it then in God's hands that this person is going to be saved once and for all and that they're going to know automatically how to live a Christian life with no help. And this I resent. This I find distasteful. I find this incredibly wrong and it causes more resentment and anger and mistrust among the homeless. When people have good intentions, but their strings attached, the homeless suffer enough. We do not need to try to put up appearances that we love them and are helping them when truly it's to stroke our own egos and to go back to our churches and boast and what does that profit so these are some things i wanted you to think about as far as when you go to help the homeless do it truly in love they've had such a hard time you may find immediately that some do not trust you and some may even say no to you handing them things and because they are afraid there's going to be strings attached and sometimes it's just easier to say no and and lose out and skip out on receiving something that they might want that they might need it's just not worth it so we must do it in love we must try to regain the trust that the homeless have very little supply of. This is John Schaefer. I thank you for listening. Have a great week. Hey, it's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in, like, forever. I get it, you're retired. But I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. We've had a very brief short summer it seems we've now passed labor day and in the month of september we're noticing it's getting much much colder and we see nights where it's getting down into the 60s there's many homeless in south bend elkhart mishawaka and goshen currently that are sleeping outside. And it's not very comfortable when you're sleeping outside and it's in the low 60s. Problem is, there's no place for them to go. The shelters are full and not accepting anyone else. Soon, it's going to drop from the 60s to the 50s and the 40s 
and then into the low 30s, and it'll be freezing. And if you think sleeping outside when it's in the low 60s might not be comfortable, when it gets down to freezing, it's going to be simply horrible. Some homeless who have severe health issues and who are elderly may not survive those temperatures. We see recently that in Elkhart, they constructed a new container home for the homeless. This may be the first of many to come. And different cities across the U.S. are attempting to find innovative ways to house the homeless. Uh, we know that Housing First and permanent supportive housing is the best approach, but we're looking at tiny houses and and using uh, containers to build a, a suitable type of housing and something that would be permanent, something that would give adequate shelter. All of these are great. We need more in Michiana. We, we are slowly getting to the point where we're thinking about the homeless, but I am most pleased with the community of Elkhart, known as a city with a heart, that it is attending to the homeless. There is a wonderful organized coalition of nonprofits working together in that community to help the homeless. The Elkhart Coalition for the Homeless is doing some great things. And we need South Bend to follow. We need Goshen and Mishawaka to follow. The mayor of Mishawaka doesn't really do anything for the homeless. They are slowly beginning to focus on the homeless issue in Goshen, Indiana. Uh, they're being inspired by Elkhart, and those communities work very closely together to help the homeless. And again, it's thankful to the Goshen Homeless Coalition and the Elkhart Homeless Coalition uh, working together. Many of the attending members um, attend both groups and so we see great things happening there. South Bend is not helping the homeless much at all. We've seen examples of that from the tent cities 
being disrupted and dismantled and police force coming out in strong measure um, just to evict the homeless from tent city to tent city over the last several years. They bring in huge heavy duty equipment um, to remove tents, um, which is not necessary, but do you ever wonder what that costs you as a taxpayer? And between that and the emergency services that are provided throughout the year for a homeless individual without insurance can be astronomical. There's easily an average of $35,000 for one homeless person being provided with emergency services throughout a single year. Now, when you add into that um, the cost of removing a tent city and you have 40 police officers show up with nearly the entire Department of Code Enforcement, that's a lot of cost. That's a lot of labor. Then you have the heavy equipment that comes in too. And the taxpayer is paying for it. And yet, South Bend has not learned its lesson. We see tent city after tent city. There's not enough permanent supportive housing and housing first uh, homes for the homeless with the emergency wraparound services to help them with their needs and to get stable. So we, we need to, as a community, bring this to the forefront, bring it to the city council attention, bring it to the attention of the mayor. We need to speak up. We got to do more. Come November, December, January, February, it is going to be extremely cold. And these homeless do not need to sleep outside. They should not be in tents. Sometimes that is the only shelter available at this point. And it's, it's a shame. Would you want to sleep in a tent during January and February? Or even back, you know, in November, December? It gets really, really cold. Sometimes the snow is heavy and wet and it weighs down the tent and it collapses. Everything you have gets wet and it's cold. It's no way to live. We don't think enough about the plight of the homeless. Now, come winter, we will do a little more. We'll have 
winter amnesty at some of the shelters, and it's still not enough. Um, we've got to provide shelter year-round, but especially when it's cold. And Salpin is by far the worst at this. Um, many times it was below zero, and they did not open any additional shelters, emergency shelters, um, over overnight shelters, or warming stations in the last few years until it got into maybe below zero or in the single digits. That's way too cold. Um, there are cities in Florida that if it gets into the 40s, they open up weather amnesty locations and overnight emergency shelters and warming stations. That's, that's in the 40s. They're not used to it. But for the human person, we are all built alike. So what's code for one person living in Florida when it's 40 degrees out? If you're in South Bend, it's just as cold. It's just we have no choice but to deal with it. And the homeless, they have no choice but to deal with it because we as a community fail them horribly. I hope there's something that you could do to help this. Send a letter to the mayor, make a phone call, attend a city council meeting, and at the end of the meeting, speak up for the homeless. They'll give you three minutes. Three minutes may not be long, but if more people did it, we, we would see people starting to listen and to act. Winter's coming, my friends. It's going to be very tough for our homeless. Please give that some thought. And until next week, I hope you have a great week. This has been John Schaefer, Advocate for the Homeless. on SME. Hello, this is John Schaefer. And this week I wanted to talk about a very controversial subject concerning homelessness. And the homeless who have animals while being on the streets, whether it's a cat or a dog <clears throat> or multiple pets. Now, this can happen because they might find a stray pet, a stray cat or dog, and adopt it. It brings them companionship, 
and loyalty and affection, someone to talk to, someone to care for, which helps greatly the emotional state of the homeless person and gives them a reason to survive each day to take care of their pet. But there are issues or problems with some of the animals while they are homeless on the streets and I want to take a look at some of those issues. Now, for any person who is homeless, it is very rough living, it is hard to survive, and it's even harder for a defenseless animal. The conditions that jeopardize the welfare of the pet range from proper nutrition to proper vet care to the extreme exposure of heat in the summer and bitter, cold, dangerous temperatures in the winter if they remain on the streets. Now, sometimes they can wander off and get struck by a car. There's people that might try to steal the pet. And so there's many different situations far from ideal and far from safety for the pet who is homeless with its owner. Now, it might serve best if this animal was indeed in a home and perhaps if there is a question as to the animal's care and welfare that they sacrificially give up the pet and ask a friend, family member, or stranger even to adopt the pet so that it has a safe environment at all times. The emotional attachment that can be broken and the separation from the pet for the homeless person can be devastating. It, it's hard for any of us to lose a pet. The emotional attachment, the unconditional love, and the bond that is created can have great or even severe consequences for someone who is homeless. Now, the ultimate thing is what is best for the animal because it cannot make a decision to get up off the streets 
and go into a shelter like the person can. And sometimes that's far from ideal. And there's very, very few shelters in any city that will accept a homeless person with a cat or dog or multiple pets. Now the harm in this is it forces the homeless individual to remain on the streets longer because while they could go into a shelter and receive proper nutrition for themselves and maybe medical care and a warm bed to sleep in, they remain on the streets because of the pet and because they do not want to be separated. And it's a problem for both person and animal. Now, I would say if someone observes a animal who is homeless with a homeless individual, male or female, if you observe that the animal is too skinny, appears sick, is in danger of heat or freezing temperatures, that you alert some local authorities like the um, SPCA or you lo uh, notify the police, that you notify the local dog shelter, um, the local humane society, um, so that this pet can be safe if there is conditions that threaten the safety of this pet. Now, many people who are homeless, their life and health is at great risk also. Some of them are stubborn and refuse to go to a shelter, and there's many reasons for that. And they risk their life. And it is most sad that we have that in this country, that they have to remain on the streets at great harm to their life and to their health because there's not adequate housing or there's not adequate affordable housing or subsidized housing enough for homeless individuals. If there was, they could certainly go into these places with their pet. Uh, if more actual shelters would accommodate a homeless person and their pet, it would help solve the problem. But the safety of the pet must come first. If the animal appears happy and content and well-behaved and is healthy, there is no reason at all to separate 
the animal from the person. But we must try to observe when we see this, does the animal appear to be in any sort of harm or health condition that would merit the authorities being contacted and the pet taken away. Now this is very, very controversial. This is very, very difficult for the anxiety of the pet as well as for the person. And sometimes there is no clear solution other than the safety of the pet. And I wish we could house both of them. I wish we could house the homeless person uh, for their safety in every case, but there's just not adequate housing or shelter space for a growing population of homeless. And with that growing population of homeless, some have pets on the streets with them and they sleep with them and they eat with them and live with them and they yet are exposed to summer heat temperatures. They are exposed to winter cold, bitter temperatures and possible frostbite, possibly freezing to death overnight. Now, a responsible pet owner, homeless or not, will always put their dog or cat first. They will make sure that they eat, sometimes even before they do. But there are always cases or circumstances that pop up, such as the animal does get sick. And a homeless person cannot generally afford a vet and the pet is going to need care and vets are very, very expensive for any of us. I have taken my pet to the vet and you're looking sometimes between hundreds or even possibly thousands of dollars to try to restore a pet's health. And sometimes it doesn't always work and the pet dies. And you're out that money, but you gladly do it for the hope that the pet will survive and live longer and healthier and that you stay together. Now, for many homeless, they just cannot afford a vet. And, and so we need to responsibly try to observe when we look at a homeless person and we try to not look at them and we try to turn away, if they have a pet or animal with them and it appears to be suffering, we must take some sort of action. 
They may not know what to do. They may not see the signs that we might see because they see the pet every day. Uh, they may not have the means to go to a vet or to buy food so that the dog has proper nutrition even. So if the dog appears to be very skinny or the cat appears to be very skinny, we must do something to save that animal. Even at the harm of severe anxiety for both parties. As I said, this is a very controversial subject. I posted um, this on my Facebook page and I was met with a lot of opposition and there's no easy, clear choices. And sometimes you just have to do what must be done. Now, I would love to see every homeless person adopt a dog or cat, and it would give them comfort. It would give them someone to talk to, companionship. It could improve their health. It could improve their mental state. It could be positive for both. It if we had more people adopting pets, even homeless people, there would, less, there would be less abandoned animals roaming the streets. And in some cases, this is what a homeless person might do. And this is all good. This is all positive. But sometimes taking care of a child or a animal can be expensive. And that's where some of the issues and dangers lie with a homeless person who has no income, possibly, to afford the proper care a animal might need or require. I hope you give this some thought and maybe next time take an extra moment to look at that homeless person who has an animal at their side and see if there's something you can do for both. Um, if nothing, buy a bag of dog food, which could greatly help, even though it's a little thing, um, there's, there's things that we can do to make the situation better for both. This has been John Schaefer. I hope you've enjoyed this topic for today. Until next week, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to SME Radio. Goodbye. Kids just want to get out in the world and have fun. Good times.
but their lives have been put on hold. Getting them thriving again safely starts with protecting them from COVID-19 and dangerous new variants. Get the latest facts by speaking to your pediatrician or healthcare provider or by visiting getvaccineanswers.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Academy of Pediatrics. This is John Schaefer, and I wanted to talk today about the difficulties of homelessness compared to those of us fortunate and blessed enough that we have a house to live in and things that we're able to do from time to time. So obviously, um, someone who is homeless does not have a bed to sleep in. They're not able to jump in their car and drive to the store, go visit friends and family take a vacation and go somewhere interesting and nice and beautiful, have fun. When do you think the last time was when someone that is homeless had fun? When was the last time they had a great meal at a good restaurant? When was the last time they got together with family and friends and had a party? When was the last time they even celebrated their birthday? When was the last time they took a vacation? When was the last time that they were able to jump in their car and go to the store and buy whatever groceries they wanted? These are the things that homeless people are not able to do. They miss out on. They do not have those simple pleasures and special moments that can be part of our day on any given day. And it's, it's unfortunate uh, when someone that is homeless, their only enjoyment in life might be eating that day. Their only enjoyment might be that they actually find a safe place to sleep. They might actually get to sleep in a bed a few times a year. Not every night, like we do. The simple joys of someone that is homeless might be that when you have to go to the bathroom, you're fortunately in a place where 
It's air conditioned and a nice clean bathroom instead of having to go outside. Simple pleasures might be that in every few weeks or every other month, you're able to afford to do laundry and have clean clothes to wear. So many things we take for granted that someone that is homeless cannot enjoy. They do not have the same advantages. They do not have the same blessings. And they're not fortunate. Now you would think not having these enjoyments in life would motivate them to get out of homelessness. But homelessness is a trap. And when you fall into that trap, it is not easy to get out. It takes money in life. It takes motivation. It takes willpower. And when you become homeless, you are beaten down to the lowest point of your entire life. Having the motivation, the desire, the will, the means, the finances to get back up on your feet, climb out of that trap is not very possible at times. And that's why it is a trap. When you look at someone who is homeless, try not to judge them because you don't know what happened in their life that brought them to that point of being homeless. And thank God every day for those simple pleasures that you enjoy and often take for granted. This is John Schaefer. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this program this week. Have a great week. Until next time. This is News Source 1 Michiana, Elkhart South Bend.